The views, opinions, and comments expressed by hosts, guests, and callers of this show are not necessarily those of this station, its parent company, TeleSouth Media, its staff, management, or advertisers. Content of this broadcast cannot be duplicated or used in any way without the express written consent of TeleSouth Media Incorporated. Now, join us for Advisors Roundtable with your hosts, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus. It's professional advice for your life. Welcome to the Advisors Roundtable, certified financial planners, Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you here on Super Talk Radio. And so, Bubba, you know, you got the volatile stock markets and you got the elections and you got changing of seasons and you got wars and rumors of wars and you you got the Mississippi River, she's a going dry and mm-hmm. all these things happening, happening around you. And then you wonder, can it get any worse? You know, could, could the stock market go lower? Absolutely, it could. Uh-huh. Could you get somebody worse in office? <laughs> I think so, yeah. Yeah. Could it rain more or rain less? It could. You so, just don't know. Have you ever known? Did you know last year? Did no. you know two years ago, three years ago that there was a pandemic coming? Do you know any of that? I, I had a conversation with an individual yesterday. She asked me about her 401k and what was going to happen in the stock market. I said, hold on, let me pull up my crystal ball here. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Five years ago, did you have any idea what was going to happen? Mm. Five years from now, will you have any idea what's going to happen five years from there? I mean, what's a body to do? Five years ago, think about where we were. Okay. Right? We were in 2017. Okay. Fall of 2017. Mm-hmm. Who would have known that uh, in 2018 we would have had a, a government shut down and a trade war with China? Which did what? Uh, that basically, with the stock market, we had about a 20% correction, mm-hmm. a flash correction that occurred over two or three months. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's- and then in 2020, we had this thing called COVID happen. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. And had another correction mm-hmm. at that point. Which is about yeah. was about 20%. Mm-hmm. Right now, now, are you still here? I'm still here. You you yeah. lived through mm-hmm. 17 and 20. Yeah. And, uh, you, you, and then 2022, right? right? We, uh, what I would argue is a recession, mm-hmm. in the middle of a recession. Mm-hmm. Uh, by all uh, classical definitions that you look at, we're in a recession. Nobody will claim it yet. No, no. Um, but look at what ha- has happened in 2022. Mm-hmm. And you go back to five years to 2017. Mm-hmm. And in a well-diversified stock portfolio, you're higher today still, even after all those events, after than you were in 2017. two or three 20% pullbacks? That's right. After a recession mm-hmm. or two? Right. So you're okay? I'm okay. Are you worried? I'm not worried. Have you ever been worried? Why aren't you worried? Have you turned on the television lately and watched the news? And, here, here's why I'm I'm personally not worried, right? And I think many people would fall into this category. Okay, they're gainfully employed, so they have income coming in, mm. right? Uh, their investments are are something that they're making investments for a long term. Okay, reason, right? All right, let's go back to the income thing I okay. did for a second. Some people aren't gainfully employed, but they're retired. But many of their mm-hmm. retirement dollars are 
pretty well guaranteed. That's right. So whether you're gainfully employed and you got an employer mm-hmm. who wants to pay you or you're retired and you got a pension and a Social Security wants to pay you, you're pretty good. Right. You think? From an income standpoint. From an right? income standpoint. So now, granted, we know that inflation is in, uh, increasing and that sort of thing, mm-hmm. which means that the cost of goods are more expensive. Okay. Right. But generally speaking, uh, people are employed. Okay. Uh, they have income coming in. Mm-hmm. When we get over to the investment side, right. we've lived through this before. We've no. we've seen oh, Bubba, corrections. This is, this is this is new. This is this, this time it's different. But wait, it's different this time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> What's so different about it? How could it be different from nine eleven? How could it be different from the, the financial crash of mm-hmm. seven, eight, and nine? How how could it be? Because all of them are different, but all of them are the same. Right. Kind of. Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. So income, probably not bad for most of us. Not bad for most of us. And if it is bad for me, it's probably because I don't want to work. That's right. (laughs) I know that sounded harsh, but uh, then we've seen this before. Mm -hmm. Investment accounts, yeah, they're they're down across the board, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And I'm not not belittling that at all. But for most individuals, they have a, t- a long-term time horizon, right? So or they this, should. They should, especially for me, right? Okay. So I, I feel like I'm a pretty young fella, even though I wake up in the morning. Early to mid-40s, right? Right. Right. And I'm early to mid-60s. And our uh, illustrious mm-hmm. executive producer over there is a couple years older than I right. Early to mid-whatevers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, been around for. Ever, yeah, and so, but that's the reason he's Daddy Warbucks, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the reasons he's Daddy Warbucks is because he didn't freak out, right? He didn't freak out when somebody tried to kill his president in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. He didn't freak out when you know in the 1990s mm-hmm. when the dot com. He 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 just steady as she goes, right? Right. right? Mm-hmm. So steady as she goes. As steady as she goes, easy. It is not. It's probably one of the hardest things to do as an investor. So one of the hardest things to do is not do anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you, I think we're we're built with this uh, uh, with this sense of of action that we have to take whenever events occur. So I have this like defense mechanism yeah. within me that says I yeah. got to do something, uh, and it's a fight or flight. Mm. And it's instinctive, right? Mm. So something occurs, and and what do we do? Well, we got to go fight, or we've got to run. Mm-mm. One of the two, usually. We think we have yeah. to react, mm-hmm. right? Right. And you're telling me that sometimes I don't have to do. Many times, much. I think the best course of action is just to chill out, just to stay the course. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. But what if it gets worse? It, it probably will get worse, mm. and it will probably get better. Mm. Yeah. So if if you're a person who you know you don't do this every day and and you're not that confident in what your portfolio and your 401k looks like you're not that confident in your industry or your job you're not that confident in your skills you're not, you're not that confident in America you're not that confident in our politics you ain't alone that's right right mhm huh Everybody has those temptations. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do today is, is talk about what do you do in the midst of chaos? And what's, what's the best policy? What, what's the best strategy for you individually? 
Forget about Trump and Biden for just a minute. Forget about Obama and Putin for just a minute. Forget about what happened yesterday in the stock market for just a minute. What's the best thing for you to do in the midst of chaos? From the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. See you in the next segment. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly. Uh, right here on Super Talk Radio. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about what you ought to do in the midst of chaos. When the stock market is freaky and when you don't know about the midterm elections and what's happening in that war on the other side of the world, what are you supposed to do? So we're supposed to be talking mostly about finances and that sort of thing. Let's start there. What's a person supposed to do in the midst of chaos with their finances? All right. Number one, we go back to the point you made earlier about my income. Mm-hmm. I got to keep the lights on, right? You got to keep the lights on. You go to work every day mm. uh, and keep doing what you've been doing. Right. And, um, you know, your job, if you think it's iffy, uh, either do better at it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know. Or find another one. Or, you know, and this may not be a bad time mm-hmm. in this economy. To look for another one. That's right. Um, we're we're seeing wages go up a little bit. Mm-hmm. We, we're seeing a number of employers with help wanted signs. I, I noticed this morning on the way into work, I passed five. Right. In North Mississippi. Mm-hmm. Five businesses that said help wanted apply and within. Your, and that's just your route to the office. That's just my route to the office. Right. And, you know, mm-hmm. uh yeah, a, a lot of them are waiting tables, and a, a lot of them are, you know, I wouldn't say that I saw that hanging out at the hospital, mm-hmm. but I bet at the hospital there's some jobs available. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I bet out at the Caterpillar or the Kimberly-Clark facilities mm-hmm. may be a job or two available mm-hmm. out there. A number of the banks in town and financial advisors, there are some jobs available. Sure. So, number one, I need to secure my income and feel mm-hmm. better about that. Is that something you can do? Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can. Yeah. You, you secure that and you control your destiny. See, one of the things, that, one of the reasons I think a lot of people feel out of control mm-hmm. sometimes is because they think Phil and all of his bro- mm-hmm. bu- buddies, all those other, those rich guys are in charge, mm-hmm. and I don't feel like I'm in control at all. But you're indicating to me that this job thing Maybe something in my control. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does it make you feel better to be a little in control? Uh, I don't know if it makes you feel better, but I think you feel more confident in your own abilities than you do others uh-huh. many times. Uh-huh. Had a conversation yesterday with a gentleman uh, down in Jackson, created his own business about a year or so ago, mm-hmm. uh, doing very well at it, um, and, and had some other things that he had going on in his life that he needed some advice on uh, tax-wise and estate-wise, a few other things. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's he's going to be close to making $100,000 this year. Really? Mm. One year into business, making $100,000 on your own is pretty doggone incredible to me. Uh, what do you come up with, a cure for something? Or I mean, is, <laughs> is this something out of the ordinary, or you think it's pretty? I would say that it's back to basics. Really? Right. Uh, he took something that he had a, a skill in Mm -hmm. and, uh, and was doing that for a number of years and decided, Hey, I'm going to teach other people how to do this. Yep. So now he's a trainer. Okay. Yeah. All right. So listen, 
if you feel out of control, stop and ask yourself, what things can I control? Mm -hmm. Now, there's some things you can't control. Absolutely. You can't control being fired. Uh, you can't control the economy. Um, you can't con you can't control the weather. Right. I mean, there are some things that are out of your control. So quit worrying about those. Mm -hmm. All right, let's concentrate on the things that we can control. Yeah. And one of the things in this economy at this particular time in history, I may be able to control my employment situation mm -hmm. or be a little more in control. I can be better at what I do. Yeah. Or I can find something else to do. Mm -hmm. So let's start. There, give myself an opportunity to feel like maybe I'm the master of my own destiny. Mm -hmm. All right. The next thing financially that we need to talk about is your 401k, your I investments. Th I think it goes back to something a little bit more primitive and basic than that, Greg. Okay, let's go. So uh, I, I think that everybody needs an emergency fund. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that in conjunction with consistent income, mm. I think are probably the, the two keys, right? All right? So you think that's like a sleep at night number? A sleep at night number. Ooh, sleep at night. Three to six. Dude, that yeah, sounds good. Three to six months worth of living expenses in the bank or saved or uh, put somewhere that you know nothing's going to happen So if it. I get up in the morning and before I put my mm. feet on the floor, if I feel like I'm kind of in control of my employment situation mm -hmm. and I have enough money to fall back on if the employment situation doesn't work out mm -hmm. for at least three to six months, do I stand up feeling more confident? You do. Huh? No doubt. Hey, let's start there. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be great just to stand up every morning right. out of bed and feel mm -hmm. a little more confident? Huh? And there may be folks out there that say, well, I've never had more than $3,000 saved up in my lifetime. This is the time to this start. This is the time to start before you even talk about investments. Okay, so talk me into why I need that much money. That sounds like a heck of a lot of money in this part of the world. Well, uh, I'm just assuming here that you've got uh, a, a couple, right? Both okay. of them are employed. Okay. It's unlikely that both will lose their jobs at the same time. Oh, we hope Could not. happen, right? Right, right, right. But that's why the general rule says three to six months worth of living expenses. Okay. So if it costs uh, $5,000 a month to run your household, mm -hmm. right, mm -hmm. then you need probably anywhere between fifteen dollars and $30,000 in the savings. All right. Uh, if it costs you $2,000 to run your household, yeah. you know, you six might to need 12. six to 12. Okay. So a um, number of reasons that we say that the... The, the general thinking in the industry mm -hmm. is that three to six months is, first of all, you could lose your job. Mm -hmm. We want you to be able to look and find one that you fit into that you like better than just having to take one tomorrow to keep the wolves mm -hmm. at bay. Yep. Right? So that takes a little bit of cash to be able to kind of pay there for a few weeks um, until you get to the, you know a better situation. The other thing is life happens. And so, you know, sometimes it rains and pours at the same time, mm -hmm. meaning that you could maybe lose your job or maybe have a tire blowout and maybe have the, the kids have an issue and all that stuff at the same time. Assuming that you keep your job, right? Mm -hmm. And everything is just rocking along. Life still happens. Mm -hmm. that you got an air cash. conditioner that goes out. You need to replace a roof. Mm -hmm. You need uh, new tires on the vehicle. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe the transmission drops out of your car. There you go. And bef- so your point mm-hmm. earlier, before I worry about what the S&P 500 is today, yeah. I need to be worried about whether I'm secure financially. That's right. Right? Mm-hmm. Sure. And presently secure financially. Mm-hmm. And that is job and three to six months worth of cash. That's right. Okay? And then I start worrying about, uh, do I need a Roth IRA? Mm-hmm. Should I put money in my 401 Okay, how aggressive should my investments be? All of those things, they're going to come later. That's right. Right? But as I think about what the television throws at me every morning, when, see, I, I, I get out of bed and I feel secure. I talked to mm-hmm. Bubba, and Bubba told me, hey, how's your job? Do you have the three to six months? Mm-hmm. I stand up and I flex my muscles. I feel good when I stand up. And then what do they show you on TV? They show you what the uh, futures are doing in Asia this morning, right, when you wake up. And then all that uh, that flexing, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm all puffed up and I feel good and confident. Mm -hmm. It's almost like somebody came walking in and just punctured me. Should I let that happen? No. How do I keep that from happening? Don't I need to know about the futures in Asia? Uh, No, you don't. Oh, well, they act like I do. Yeah, I would say unless you're in the financial industry or you're a commodities trader mm-hmm. or uh, you know a futures trader, mm-hmm. something along the, mm-hmm. it, there is no reason whatsoever that you need to be looking at what the futures are doing in Asia. Really, really. But they act like it's the most important information in the world as it comes on, and they have some of this dramatic uh, music that introduces, now we go to so-and-so with the futures. And blah, blah, and but you, before they go there, what do they say? But wait, uh, a message from our sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe yeah. that's what I should be paying attention to right. more, mm-hmm. you know, who's trying to sell me something. That's right. Uh, maybe so... so First thing, feel good about my income. Second Mm -hmm. thing, uh, feel good about the foundation of Mm -hmm. cash I have. Third thing, learn to filter things. Mm -hmm. Learn to filter things that come into your mind. Because as it comes through your ears and into your brain, it will ignite sometimes feelings that you don't even need to have. Mm Mm-hmm. You got out of bed feeling confident. You flicked on the television, and boom, they're telling me the future's from Asia. And instantly, I went from feeling confident to letting some dude I've never met give me information that I don't need that mm-hmm. ignited a feeling within me. That, <laughs> and that could affect me the rest of my day. Right. So I need to control what goes into my mind. How do I do that? Turn it off. Ooh, I don't have to have it on? Right. But I need to know current events, Bubba. You want to keep me ignorant? No, I, I don't want to keep you ignorant. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I think using the word filter, I think, is very appropriate here. Mm-hmm. Look at the data and not the drama associated with things. Okay. And what I mean by that is um, there are things that are newsworthy, right? Mm-hmm. Recently, I think the the Queen of England passed away. Yeah, that's newsworthy, right? right? Yeah. Now, what what the Kardashians think about <laughs> the passing away of the Queen? Yeah, or what some professional basketball player thinks about the presidential election? It's not really relevant. <laughs> it's probably you know? not. 
But that's what news is today. It's not really news. It's more commentary about what's going on in the, in the world. Absolutely. So when we come back, we're going to talk more about data, less about drama here at the Advisors Roundtable on Supertalk. And we thank you for coming back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Bubba Labus with you right here on Supertalk Radio. So, uh, Bubba, we're talking about maybe a little bit uh, more of a concentration on data and less concentration on drama. And, uh, you know, maybe I don't really need to know the futures in Asia. Are there some data points I need to know about the economy or about my finances or the balance of my 401k or the return of that mutual fund? I mean, a lot of that, this is a bunch of junk coming at me. And I don't know which one is you know, really valid to me and which I need to dismiss. What are you thinking? I, it's, it's hard for me to say that because I'm in this industry. Okay. Right. So, and, and I'm looking at these things every day. So, what would be relevant relevant to me may not be rele- relevant to the average person out right. there. Right. Um, I I would say that um, um, there are some data points I think that would be pertinent or relevant to individuals. Okay. All right. Yeah. Um, so, like, if- what is the Fed funds rate? Okay. I'll start there. Okay. okay? So the Fed funds rate is the overnight borrowing rate between banks, mm-hmm. in essence, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And many other rates are predicated on that rate. Got to start somewhere. You got to start Something somewhere. Something has to be the baseline. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you've got an increase in Fed funds rates, that means that the cost of borrowing across the board is going to go up for many individuals. All right. So let's just choose, first of all, mm-hmm. Daddy Warbucks over there. Let's say he's over 70. Mm-hmm. Okay, our executive producer, Phil, let's say he's over 70 and he's rich. Yep. Okay, what does that, what does the Fed funds rate change do to him? Well, if he's not borrowing any money, mm-hmm. which he's probably not because he's rich, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He's probably looking for places that he can store money. I would think so, as All a right. rich guy over the age of 70 who doesn't have much debt. So whether he's looking at uh, treasury bonds, whether he's looking at CDs, other types of bonds, that means that the rates on those bonds typically have gone up. So when he hears that rates went up, is he smiling? He is. He's he saying, is. I can finally get more than .001 on my money market account. Okay. All right. So for that guy. Or I can finally get greater than 1% on a 10-year U.S. government bond. Yeah, yeah. Right? And today he sure can, mm-hmm. like four times that. Right. Okay? So he may be happy. Mm-hmm. Okay? However, let's say a 25-year-old who has a couple kids mm-hmm. and is working the line at some production facility yeah. and his wife works at the hospital and mm-hmm. they have a house payment and they have a couple car payments, mm-hmm. and they got two kids to raise. Interest rates going up. What does that do to that guy? Well, uh, so let let's talk about that mm-hmm. with the the mortgage payment and the and the, and the car payments. Right, mm-hmm. those are generally fixed payments already. Already. Okay. So hopefully they got those mortgages prior to a time when uh, these rates started going up. But if they didn't, and they're shopping for a car right now. Or if they're shopping for a car right now, or maybe they're shopping for a new home because they've got another kid on the way, Mm -hmm. uh, they may need to be prepared to pay a little bit more in interest. Uh, So on one side of the spectrum, the guy who 
likes it that the rates mm-hmm. went up. He's getting more. Right. And the guy on the other end of the spectrum mm-hmm. who has to borrow money and is not liking this interest rate going mm-hmm. up, he's paying more. Now, I, I would say that mortgage rates, car rates are at or near their historical average. We have just been spoiled over oh. the last 10 years with extremely low interest rates. Yep. Yes, we have. So I'm having a conversation mm-hmm. yesterday with a friend of mine, and he owns a place uh, down on the beach. Mm-hmm. And he told me that he paid $400,000 for this thing about 10 years ago. Yeah. Okay. And today he can get $1.5 million mm-hmm. for something he paid $400,000 less than a decade ago right. for. Mm-hmm. It's gone up more than two, almost three times. However, he said when he bought the thing, he paid 3% for his $400,000 mortgage. Mm-hmm. If he goes and sells this thing for $1.5 million, yeah. first of all, he's got some capital gains tax mm-hmm. okay, because it's not his principal residence. Right. It's an investment. Second thing he's going to do is he won't have a place on the beach. Right. So if he goes to try to find a place on the mm-hmm. beach, guess what happened to all those other houses around him? They went up too. And if he has to pay $2 million mm-hmm. for a new place, he may have to get a little bit of a mortgage at today's rates. And what's he going to pay? Not three. That's right. Higher interest. Right. Mm-hmm. So even though on the paper it looks like he's a whole lot better mm-hmm. off, practically... Can he really enjoy that difference of $1.1 million, the difference between what he bought it for and what he could possibly pay for it? Can he yeah. take that and go buy him a Bentley? Not, well, if he went and borrowed it, but it's going to cost, uh-huh. right? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So what we have done over time with these interest rates that we got really used to being really low, we kind of pull forward demand and pull mm-hmm. forward price increases, inflation. Right. That otherwise, you're telling me that historically mortgage rates ought to be between four and six percent, as opposed to between one point mm-hmm. nine and three, and and probably closer to five to seven percent is a good historical average. And right now, that sounds exorbitant. It does, because where have we come most mm-hmm. recently? Mm-hmm. Right, you could get a thirty-year mortgage for around three percent, mm-hmm. less than a year ago. Mm-hmm. And now you're looking at six and a half percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, your granddad says, son, six and a half percent ain't mm-hmm. nothing. I remember when I had to pay fourteen percent. Yeah, yeah, way back in nineteen seventy nine. And he's yeah. telling the truth. Mm-hmm. So historically yeah, this is not mm-hmm. really a a bad place to be. Right. When you look at all of history. Mm-hmm. But when you look at me within 12 to 18 months, it's tough. Right. So that's one of the data points you're exactly right. I do need to be aware of and aware of how it affects me. Consumer credit, I think, is another one there that would affect most individuals. Okay. Because most consumer credit cards and that sort of thing are uh, done on a variable rate. And with the increase in rates, that means that the interest that they're paying on those credit cards goes up. As well. I saw a report the other day that said that many people are going to have to get used to paying 24.9 mm-hmm. 
on an unsecured credit card yeah. balance. Mm-hmm. 24.9. So if you if you owe $1,000 on your credit card, 24.9 is 249 about basically 250 bucks just of interest. Right. This year. This year. Right? Mm-hmm. That's 20 or $30 of your payment. And they That's tell right. you that the minimum of payment is 38 Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So 20 or 30 that's going to interest. You know, it takes a long time that's to right. bring $1,000 down, only hitting it at 8 or mm-hmm. 10% or 8 or $10 a month. Sure. Um, and so that probably is going to affect a, a personal budget too. Mm-hmm. So you said I need to know a little bit about what the, the Fed mm-hmm. rate is and pay attention to that. Right. That can affect me. Consumer credit, consumer and, credit, and my yeah. own consumer credit. Mm-hmm. I need to be aware of that. As a, a, an individual, do I need to be looking at my four hundred one k balance? Does it make any difference what it was this year as opposed to last year? If I'm twenty years away from retirement, the balance is a byproduct of how it's invested, mm-hmm. right? Um, and how aggressive or conservative is it mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. So I would say, yes, to a degree, you need to be not necessarily concerned, but aware of what the balance is. But I think more importantly, you need to know how it's invested. Okay. All right. And is that investment mix um, appropriate for your risk level? I think many people are realizing now that maybe they were a little bit too aggressively stanced in their investment accounts or 401k accounts mm-hmm. because we've had pretty good markets over the last 10, 15 years. So you and I are going to give them a new number for them mm-hmm. to be concerned about. Forget about the futures mm-hmm. in Asia. Be aware of this number. Think of a number line from 1 to 10. Mm-hmm. 1 is somebody who doesn't want to take any risk at all. All their money yeah. is probably in a mason jar at most in mm-hmm. a checking account or a CD. All right. And way up here, uh, uh, number 10 is a gambler who's willing to risk his home mm-hmm. one roll of the dice at Tunica. That's right. All right. So where are you mm-hmm. between the one and the 10? Let's say you're a six. You think you're a yeah. six. Mm-hmm. What, is that, what does that tell me about my 401k? If I think my risk tolerance between one and 10 mm-hmm. is a six, what does that tell me about my 401k and how it's allocated? So it, it, it tells me one thing. If you think that your risk tolerance is a six, mm-hmm. that you need to be prepared for downturns in your 401k of 10 to 15%, mm-hmm. as well as upturns in your 401k of 10 to 15%. Okay. In any given year. In any given year. Mm-hmm. I wake up on January the right. 1st. This year, I may go up. 10 yeah. to 15, mm-hmm. this year may I, I may go down 10 to 15. If you tell me your risk tolerance is, is, is an 8, mm-hmm. I think that, that that range goes from 10 to 15% to 15 to 25%. On either side? On either side, yeah. If you tell me it's a 3, mm-hmm. then that means that your range should tighten up, right? Okay. You should be prepared for like negative 5, negative 10, all the way up to positive 5, positive 10. But if I get down 3 or less... Mm-hmm. I'm probably one of those people who can't stomach a negative at all. That's right. Which means I also can't be in things that are probably going to get me 6, 10, 12%. That's correct. Right? Mm-hmm. 
So when we come back, we're going to further explain this risk tolerance number that it should be really important to you from the Advisors Roundtable on Supertop. Welcome back to the Advisors Roundtable. Certified Financial Planners, Bubba Labus, and yours truly, Greg Cooley, with you right here on Supertalk Radio. So, Bubba, we're talking about in the midst of chaos, what do I really need to pay attention to? I need to pay attention to my income and how strong it is and how good and secure mm-hmm. my job and my performance is there, right? And I need to pay attention to uh, how much cash I have. Mm-hmm. Do I have an emergency fund, and is it three to six months worth of living expenses? I need that. I need that. And if I start thinking about my four hundred one k balance, I need to be less concerned about what the balance is presently because this is a long term thing. Right. I need to be more concerned of how it's put together. That's now. Correct. One of my old investment professors explained it this way: Greg, you're going on a journey, mm-hmm. okay, and I'm going to put you in a boat. All right. Now, the boat I'm going to put you in is going to be based on how much Dramamine your body requires. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Now, for some of us, uh, we need a whole lot of it because we're probably going mm-hmm. to be sailing in really rocky seas. Mm-hmm. For some of us, we're not going to get much out of the bay. And we just want to sail from this side of the inlet mm-hmm. to that side of the inlet, and we don't want to see the new world. And we're probably going to do it on a nice day. We, uh, we ain't going to be out there very much. Mm-hmm. And when we do, you know, the wind is going to be blowing and the sails mm-hmm. are going to be headed in the right direction. And so there are some people, once they get in the boat and they go somewhere, mm-hmm. they're out there and they're kind of at the whim of Mother Nature. Yeah. There are other people, they just, they're not sailing mm-hmm. people. They don't want to go very far. They want to stay home. But everybody has their own boat and their own makeup. Well, that's kind of your boat, your makeup, is how much pitch you Mm -hmm. need in your boat based on your risk tolerance. Do you want to see the new world? Do you Mm -hmm. want to go out there and have all these adventures and take all these risks? Or do you not? You just want a flat bottom. Go from over here Mm -hmm. to over there. That's kind of applicable to this risk tolerance number Mm -hmm. that we gave people. People who don't want to sail the high seas and they just want to say, stay around here on a pretty day, they're going to be in a one or a two mm-hmm. boat. Yeah. Uh, you want to go out there and do the 10 and possibly run into a hurricane, mm-hmm. your boat needs to be pa- made up of something else. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. And we're going to call that anywhere from a 6 to a 10 mm-hmm. on, on the risk scale. Do many people know which kind of boat they need what kind of investor they are, their own risk tolerance. I think it's probably one of the hardest decision decisions that most investors have to make. Okay. Because without living through it and, and experiencing it, mm-hmm. then they're not really going to know. Mm-hmm. They could sit here all day long and say, yeah, absolutely, I'm a seven. I know I'm a seven. Mm-hmm. You know, I was born a seven. I'm going to die a seven. Okay. Right? Right. And then they hit some turbulent uh, markets or, or waves or winds or, mm-hmm. or whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it hits a little closer to home for them. Oh, and they're yeah. like, oh, wait a minute. Back me up. Yeah. Back me yeah. up. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, you told me that if I choose out here on this risk scale to be a little more aggressive, to be a six, seven, eight, nine. That, yeah, I've got all that potential of making more money mm-hmm. than somebody who's a two. Right. But I've got the potential from time to time, year to year, to go deeper on the loss side. That's right. Right? Some of us know that. 
but some of us don't. This is mm-hmm. what I've found because we administer a number of 401ks. Right. I sit and I talk with people about doing this analysis of themselves and figuring out what their own risk tolerance is and what number do you need to assign to yourself a four and eight mm-hmm. or whatever. And you know what they're doing? They're not paying attention to me. They're looking down and they're seeing all those funds that are available and they're looking for the biggest number. Mm-hmm. I want that one right there that averages 14%. Right. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. Because... Did we use the word average? We did. What does that tell me? Well, an, an average is a smoothing effect, right? So while it may be uh, up 14%. Sometimes. Sometimes. Uh, more than likely, it's going to be up 20%. Uh-huh. Or it could be down 7%. Uh-huh. So it, over a period of time, uh, it averages it 14. averages 14, which means that could be a lot more volatile. Very rarely does it get 14 on the nose. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's a whole lot higher, and sometimes it's lower, and you have to live through that, don't you? Take the S&P 500, for instance, right? right. And you go back over the last 60 or so years, how many times has it actually fallen between 8 and 12%? Very few. Very few. Most of the time, it's going to be either above that or below that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it comes out at mm-hmm. that average. So when I'm talking to them, they point to the one that says 14%. The average over the last 20 years is 14% in this fund right here. That's mm-hmm. the one they say they want. I'm like, do you really? Mm-hmm. Because guess what? In order for that number to be 14, that means it's an average over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Are you willing to hang on to the roaring waves right. for 20 years mm-hmm. to get that? And then they say, well, maybe I'm not an eight. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're not. Maybe you're a four. Mm-hmm. All right? So it's important that I know that number because it helps me choose the investments yeah. that will keep me in the game. Is that what the, the, the whole point is here? So uh, along with that, I would also say that uh, for a younger investor, right, mm-hmm. somebody in their 20s or 30s, mm-hmm. they've got a long-term time horizon. They do. And if they come to me and tell me that they're a three, yeah, they very well may be a three, right? Mm-hmm. Not wanting to take a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would argue with them and, and probably try to show them and teach them and give them history as to why they may want to bump their risk tolerance up slightly. Try four or five. Try four or, or five. For a little yeah. while. And maybe not with everything. Maybe just with a portion of it, okay. right? Mm-hmm. Um, because... Over time and over history, we've seen that being uh, associated with or invested in the stock market has produced better returns overall. Gotcha. Right? Um, And being that young with that long of a time horizon, Mm -hmm. they probably need to do a little bit more uh, in stocks, for instance. Right. Maybe they need to own a little bit of international. Maybe a little bit of emerging market. Uh, Maybe a little bit of small cap. uh, Right? Yeah. Yeah. See, here's something else I think you need to be more aware of than what the futures are trading mm-hmm. this morning in Asia. You need to know the definition of what Bubba just right now said. Mm-hmm. What is a small cap? Right. And do I need to have my money out there mm-hmm. in small cap stocks? Mm-hmm. What are value stocks? Yeah. What is what is that? What what, what is a growth mm-hmm. stock? A growth company. Right. What what makes up a growth 
portfolio. Mm-hmm. Isn't it more important that I know those things because they have direct effect on my 401k balance than knowing what the futures are trading this morning in Asia? In this instance, I think so. But then I hear people talking back to their radio or back to their headphones mm-hmm. their list when they're blogging us or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're probably saying, but I don't want to know all that, Bubba. Mm-hmm. I just don't want to know all that. I don't want to do that studying. Yeah. That's not what I do. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a baker. Right. And I want to be a baker. Mm-hmm. So how do they handle it responsibly as an adult? To hire a, a professional mm-hmm. that you know and that you trust. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and give them authority to do those things for you on your behalf. And then check in. And check in, right? Check in pretty often. Mm-hmm. Here's another number. At least once a year. Yep. One. Mm-hmm. At least once a year, you need to check in. Not just with yourself, because you may be a little too emotional, but with somebody else who can objectively look over your shoulder and say, that's okay, that's okay. I, and, and I would say uh, to most individuals out there, spend half as much time as you do planning your vacation that you would looking at your investments and, and overall financial picture. So you're assuming that most people spend more time planning their invest or their vacation than mm-hmm. they do planning their investment. I think portfolio. so. Yep. Okay. So how much time do you plan on your vacation? How much pl- time do you plan planning for your vacation? Not at vacation. Let's just ta- say that it takes six hours, right? Mm-hmm. Half of that would be three hours, mm-hmm. right? So, uh, 30 minutes, four times a year, mm-hmm. right? It's going to mm-hmm. be two hours and then another hour long review. Okay. Uh, that you're going to have with a financial advisor. All right. And Maybe more. Okay. Right. Maybe a little less. If you feel like it should mm-hmm. be more then do more. Right. But at see, that's going to keep you from fretting as much mm-hmm. if you have answers. You know, you get that boil on your knee, right. and you fret and you fret mm-hmm. and you fret. How about go get an answer? Mm-hmm. Hey, nurse practitioner. Hey, hey, dermatologist. What is that? Right. And they say, oh, it's an infected hair. We'll handle mm-hmm. this this way mm-hmm. and then this way and show you how to wash that and whatever. Hey, less fret. Right. More information. More data. More data. Less drama. From the Advisors Roundtable on Super Talk Radio. The discussion and content expressed by the host of the Advisors Roundtable are intended to be received as news, educational, and entertainment or unit items and are not to be accepted by the listener as legal, investment, insurance, or tax advice. Opinions and views will be expressed by guests of the Advisors Roundtable, and those opinions and views are those of the guests alone and do not necessarily reflect the views of the Advisors Roundtable host or any of its affiliated radio stations. All information provided is educational in nature and is not intended to be acted upon without first consulting 
consulting the appropriately licensed professional of your choosing. Before acting upon any information obtained during an advisor's roundtable broadcast, an individual should understand matters are extremely tax-specific and require advice tailored to individual facts and needs. Certified financial planners Greg Cooley and Andrew Labus are registered representatives of S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated. Securities offered through S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Ignite Planters, LLC. Ignite Planters, LLC is not affiliated with S.A. Stone Wealth Management Incorporated.